0: Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. I'm your host. My name is David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I sit down with an actor or artist friend. We watch an episode of the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life, and then I hit record. Then we talk about the show and use it as a springboard to reminisce about old television, things from the past, and pretty much anything else we can think of to gab about my guest this week is eric pinder i've said this so many times about oh my guest today is a really funny guy a comedic actor a funny lady so and i love working with this person i i feel terrible that i find myself saying the same things about people but it's just I work with so many amazing talented people and I don't think I exaggerate when I say many folks in town would say Eric Pinder is one of the funniest comedic actors in town he's also a very good friend and I'm good friends with both him and his husband and it's just yeah it's uh, I forgive me for having so many amazing people surrounding me in my profession and for not having significant enough vocabulary to give each of them their own specific due because it's just, it is really an embarrassment of riches down here. And and I hope this podcast is a, a little tiny bit able to showcase that. Anyhow, Eric is a little sick, so I did my best to edit out the coughing uh, as best I could. Hopefully also not catch anything in the process, but (laughs) if I had a nickel for every person saying they hope they didn't catch something from Eric Pinder, well, (laughs) anyhow, before we go on, I want to welcome my new Patreon patron, Jennifer B. Hi, Jennifer. She actually comments a lot on the Facebook page, so it is really nice to be further connected to you. If uh, you are listening and you would like to be a patron of the show, hop on over to patreon.com slash pod. Back to today's show, Eric and I watched Season 4, Episode 6. It's entitled Dearest Mommy, and the original air date was November 10th, 1982. I think we're ready to jump on in, kids. Let's face the facts. With Eric Pinder. Well here we are. Hello, Hello Eric Pinder. Hello. Welcome to my home. It's lovely. I, I The new edition is very nice. It, it's good. I think the West Wing
1: really is my pride and joy. Uh, that stained glass I think is worth it. <laughs> I don't know how long you had the nuns working on that but um, clearly... They know their
0: stuff. They did it in shifts to save their energy. Um, I'm particularly proud of the Archways and the bust of Nefertiti that I do have in the foyer. Not unlike the one that is in Natalie's mother's parents' apartment in this
1: episode. Dad, not actually there. Also, that stereo. I was looking at that stereo equipment. I was like, oh, girl, that was so high-end then. Oh, oh, yeah. That was a big deal. I had like the eight-track and the cassette didn't it did it, it did well and then also too like i was looking at all the knobs knobs mm-hmm. <laughs> uh <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> but they uh just looking at it going oh yeah this would have been high end with like oh how you adjusted it and everything i'm like oh the prop department went all out uh, yeah um, i i was looking to it like all the decor in their room and that natalie has the uh pirates of Penzance, but also a new yorker poster as so yeah. many other 15 year old girls would but- <sighs>
0: And it was a time. Was the Marx Brothers poster there? I didn't notice that. There was a time. Yes, there was the Marx Brothers poster. Early, early on, on they had her with um, a a a liking of the Three Stooges. We've we've had that multiple times, but it doesn't kind of follow through. Her mother in this episode talks about a Greta Garbo movie like that would be something they would sit down and watch together. Yeah. Um. So I, I mean, yeah, Natalie is kind of this. Lovely mixed bag of of fifteen year old girl and middle-aged Jewish writers for yes. a sitcom.
1: Kvetching.
0: Always yeah. <laughs> kvetching. Yes.
1: Um you know it's so funny because we I mean we watched this show, but I remember mostly really liking Charlotte Ray. But mm-hmm. now in these later seasons it's less of wacky Charlotte Ray and more like, I'm understanding Charlotte Ray. <laughs> you know, like um, and,
0: and is that your impression of Mrs. Garrett, Eric? <laughs> that is a very wonderful, coveted thing that I try to I try to organically evoke from my guests because yes. I do a lot of bad Mrs. Garrett. Oh, <laughs> girls! <laughs> so feel free to join me in doing your bad Mrs. Garrett whenever you are Natalie, so inspired. Just open it. The uh, <laughs> I did enjoy in this
1: some some of the blocking they had. The thing about putting the letter down on the table oh yeah you know and uh, no go get it open it put it back down yeah you know and then that i'm like oh look someone had forethought instead of them just standing staring at each other in this room and and they
0: moved in tri- a triangular kind of a thing yes it's funny because uh brandon roberts noticed them doing some good triangular blocking but um the episode I watched with Natalie Doliner, she was like, it was like a ducks in a shooting gallery. It was just this single plane of them back and forth. Yeah. Um, and in this season, every episode is directed by the same man, the same one yeah. who did this, Asad Kalada, not to be confused with his sister, Pina Kalada. <laughs> That's a Natalie joke. I have to give her credit for it. Um, did you watch the show growing up? We did. Up? I mean... I- like, so refresh my memory. This would have been on this is Friday late, nights? Uh, and this would have been Wednesdays. Wednesdays, at okay. At 9 o'clock after Real
1: People. Oh, okay. I don't think we watched Real People. Yeah. Uh, but 9 o'clock, yeah, I probably would have been watching TV then. It... There was, you know, it was, there was regular watching, back in the old days, children, when we, <laughs> when we only a... had three networks and PBS from which to choose, and then the independent channels that played, like, <laughs> a lot of crap that I loved. Oh, yeah, so in Detroit, where I'm from, you yes. know, they had uh, some actually pretty good independents, but we also got the CBC. Oh. Because we were, you know, Detroit is actually north of Windsor. Uh, Sure. and Yeah, and and the river's right there. So we got the CBC channel. So I watched a lot of Canadian TV as well. Wow. Um, Curling, as a matter of fact, believe it or not. Uh, Yeah, well, you know, it gets lonely on the CBC in the winters and three in the (laughs) afternoon. Yeah. so, uh, but yeah, so I also saw I saw a lot of SCTV there as well. Oh. So there was a lot of, you know, great Canadian TV I was exposed to, but, you know, something like this that I'm like, would we have watched this? And by this point, I'm trying to remember if we have a cable, but if not, we had... two
0: was v- a little early. Well, then we
1: had On TV, which yeah. was the pre-cable service where one of the channels went like wonky and you had to have the converter box yeah. to switch it over. And they maybe had, I think, like... 10 movies a month that they play. Oh. I'm exaggerating, but So like a proto home box office. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I remember on on TV watching Star Trek Wrath of Khan over and over instead of yeah. studying for math homework actually. <laughs> and and probably failing that test because Wrath of Khan was on yet again at yeah. like nine p.m. Uh but yeah, so it, it was 8 to 10. That was it, cause I think it started at 8. And then from 8 oh, to so 10 it was just a movie. Block of t- yeah. Okay, got and it. And then Friday and Saturday that the softcore porn you know like yeah you know and and so the thing was like i remember my friends said they would try to like take the tv and do the horizontal and vertical and do those knobs to see to get it unscrambled yeah and it never actually worked i see a boob yeah exactly or or an elbow yeah not sure for for like a second you know (laughs) a hot second of it uh but i think you know I, i remember watching some of these and i think we probably got disenchanted as time moved on but I also don't remember what was on at Wednesday night, because if like, I remember my parents watched Dynasty, mm-hmm. but that was Thursdays, as I recall. And I had no use for that, even as a gayling, which I find interesting now that like, why was I not obsessed
0: with Dynasty? Real People was on from eight to nine. That was opposite Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. No, we never watched that. <laughs> even we weren't that gay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't watch that either. No. Um... And ABC had, in the fall, Tales of the Gold Monkey. Don't even know what the fuck that is.
1: Nope, that that probably got replaced
0: quickly. And then uh, in the spring was High Performance, and then Mid-Season was The Fall Guy. Oh, which I didn't have a a long life. That was the Lee Majors show after Six Million Dollar They probably moved it to shore
1: up something else.
0: Oh, and what is going on here is The Fall Guy had been on... At 9 o'clock, they they pulled it back an hour. Ah, interesting. So the 9 o'clock block was uh, The Fall Guy. And then uh, on ABC, CBS was Alice, which was very highly rated. Oh, yeah. So we would have watched Alice then. Yeah. Followed by Filthy Rich. Uh, In the spring, it became the CBS Wednesday Night Movies. So if it was a good movie that was on, you might be inclined to watch it. But The Facts of Life was on at 9. And then it was followed by either Family Ties, Taxi, or Buffalo Bill.
1: Okay, so Family Ties I did watch religiously. So then we that's when I would have watched. Um, mm. I would have seen it only because it was on
0: before Family Ties,
1: which um, I loved.
0: So, Eric, we just watched... This episode, a very special a very episode. Spe- they all are so special there was, now.
1: There was a lot of earnest acting going on. I must say, yeah, uh, and there...
0: and not bad acting, but just earnest. Yes, and, and a lot of pauses and silence. And yeah, and it... dearth, a dearth of laughs in a what is a situation comedy? Yes, Uh but yeah. We well, just when watch... your
1: big laugh is supposed to be, oh. Blair is learning how to yo-yo, yeah. and she does it around the world, and she's flinging it over her head like a lasso, yeah. and that makes everyone jump and scream, and the laugh track kicks in. You're like, "Oh, I, I'm okay." Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that that was funny?
0: Well, we, uh, yeah. So I'll try to be brisk about it, but this ran because I the, got a man waiting on me uh, <laughs> <laughs> instead of those that fags. Fag!
1: <laughs> how dare you? She's yeah. wearing a wig. It's a wig. It's a wig. <laughs> In That's the words, how gay
0: we are. In the words of Harvey Fierstein, he does that in one of his yeah. albums and he just pauses as the laughter dies out. He goes, We now know who in the audience is gay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we um this episode is called Dearest Mommy. Speaking of gay and titles, yeah. Mommy Dearest, little wordplay there. I see what they did. Clever. Clever. This ran November of eighty two. So in nineteen eighty two, we were both uh thirteen years old. When were you wait, When were you born? Were you born in what sixty seven? what month though January oh January 6th oh so you're a, you're a year and a half older than I thought you were less than a year older well great now you've told my age on the internet fine and, um, I've cleverly what, tried to disguise lev- it uh, Eric, no one listens to this show oh okay I promise All right, you good. All right. I will cut so that I'm, out if you want me to no I'm
1: 52 whatever move on yeah that's fine so yes yeah, so 82 I would have been bad at math
0: so Seven. you would have been fi- 15
1: yes so oh I was even more awkward at that point
0: yeah so you were 15 and I was 14 yeah. Okay. So, um, but yes. So
1: I would have been the same age technically as they are because she says 15 year old. Uh, yes.
0: And uh, I will note, we will get to that later. They are wrong. Natalie oh. is not 15. Well, clearly not, but. No. But I mean, we'll get to that. All right. So we start with all this activity in the cafeteria. Yes. And no food, never any food, but activity. And what is going on here is this weird thing that sitcoms do where a person is gets a thing or achieves some little tiny thing that is cool in and of itself is great. And then everybody around them automatically leaps to fame and fortune and notoriety. And what is going on here in this cafeteria, which, uh, Uh, never has food uh, uh, never has food and uncharacteristically is full of other students usually we don't get other girls there's a lot there's I think I counted eight extras yeah no I did notice that yeah and and that's not typical
1: oh okay that's interesting I kept thinking oh well so these girls probably got work on a rotating basis Uh, depending on
0: not in the least because that one was horrid <gasps> we'll talk about her okay, sorry yes we will talk about her All right. but um but they're talking like oh my god Natalie is the folk Natalie's the focus of attention yes. and they're like oh my god I wonder if you're gonna get an expense account oh you're gonna be so famous you're gonna know everything everyone you're gonna know the and, in that weird exposition way that they have yeah, to do. And then Mrs. Garrett says, Oh, Natalie, your life's not going to change. You just got chosen to do a column for a big time newspaper in New York. And oh, your life's going to change. Yes. And uh, ugh. anyway, one of the very funny lines is Tootie starts talking about, You're going to be hobnobbing with celebrities. Imagine Natalie and Woody. Natalie and Warren, Woody, yeah. Natalie and Dustin, and when she says Natalie and Woody, Woody Allen, yeah, that's just wow. Well, you know, back then, and they, I mean, this is, these are appropriate. Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, yeah, and Woody Allen. They were 1982. That is New York famous. Well, right yeah,
1: there. but Woody Allen would have already done Penny um, uh, Hall. Yeah, I know uh, and, Manhattan. Isn't that the one with the younger chick? Isn't that Margot Hemingway? Um, isn't.
0: All of the Woody okay, Allen, point ouvre. taken. <laughs> point taken. But maybe not yeah. Hannah and yeah, her which, sisters. Which is that movie where Woody Allen is paired up with a much younger woman? All
1: of them. All of them. Yes. Creep fest. Yeah. So
0: yeah. Well, I mean, again, now it's something
1: that. Yeah. You know, I, and I hate to say that's just how it was
0: back then. No, but no, it wasn't. And recently, because as we know, Ronan Farrow is a very respected and prominent journalist now. Um, And at one point he was in an interview and they said, so um, I understand you're not very much on speaking terms with your father. And he says, "Um, no, I'm not. And they're like, why is that? And he says, he's married to a woman that is my sister. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up with her. She is my sibling and she is now married to my father. And the fact that there was this this attempt to wallpaper over. He's marrying his stepdaughter. Well, it's his stepdaughter. It's not like he's marrying his daughter-daughter. Yeah, it's no, just it's... a woman that he raised from the time that she was an infant. infant. From...
1: Yeah, no, it's just no matter how you look, it's just creepy and It's so beyond. But, you know, and I, he's
0: an artist, sure.
1: What fine. Whatever.
0: Yeah. I but... still don't have to like it. Yeah. So, so is um not Brian De Palma. Who's the other one? The uh Oh, Roman Polanski? Roman Polanski.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. So great. Thank you, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, so but yeah, So she's going to be very famous because she's going to so go to, going to New York. She's going to be famous
0: and be hobnobbing with Woody. And in case I miss the joke later, um, at one point, Natalie is not going. And we'll get to why in just a minute. But Tootie comes back at Natalie with, it's okay, Natalie. Maybe you could do it later. Woody will wait for you. Yes. And I'm thinking, uh, no, she's 15 years old. That's... In a couple years, she will be too old for him. Yeah. Sorry, had to be said, people. Um, so all of this fame and fortune, oh my goodness. And then this one girl does walk up, this girl with d- this beautiful dark feathered hair, and she has the line. Oh, the hair. The, the... Congratulations, Natalie. And then walks away. That girl is, um, she is credited as girl number one. She doesn't have a name name. She's credited as girl number one. I looked her up. I do not know how I have missed this. She is either girl number one or plays a character named Linda. The actress's name is Kimberly Craig. And she, on her IMDb, if IMDb is accurate, she appears in 56 episodes of this show. Wow. Between now and season eight, when they're not even in school anymore. I think there's, I'm not, I smell a little somebody patting their resume. Yeah. I'm not sure. I can't believe I somehow missed... If she has the name Linda, that means she would have said a line in an earlier episode. And, and it claims to have her have been there since season two. And we're in season four now. I'm not sure I buy it, but 56 episodes. Any listeners out there that know about this Kimberly Craig situation... I do have some research to do, but I was quite shocked that. Well, and is that the only credit she has? Are uh, no, she's in lie. one other movie called "The Best Movie Ever Made" in 1994, and nothing else. Wow. So I wonder if she's not somebody's, like a, you know, a daughter of a. Yeah, because I mean, she had one line, and it wasn't all that great. Yeah. The other girl, though, the annoying chick. Yeah. Hmm. With glasses.
1: But the hair budget, they're like how
0: much do they spend on hairspray? <laughs> and on we're not show? even in the highest of the hair. The highest of the hair is still coming in a yep. couple of years when the 80s really kick in. But this is a, a column for a New York newspaper. And they're saying, oh, Natalie, your name's going to be a household word. Yeah, because, you know, writers, that's our culture has always yep. been so into the writers.
1: Although to be fair, I mean, people that would have been watching this in the 80s still would have remembered Walter Winchell, you know, True. or... Dear Abby, you yeah, know, certainly was famous, and uh, Rona Barrett's gossip columns, yeah, you know, so things like that. There were columnists that people knew, yeah, it did have know. certainly had more weight now. Well, it than... had more cachet, but
0: now people are bloggers, yeah, you know, and so. it's uh, and, and yeah. they write podcasts, yeah, <laughs> losers podcasts. Um, <laughs> but apparently, it's going to be a column called Nat's Chat, and we learn expositionally about it by this girl who walks up, a different girl. With glasses on, this girl named Brenda. Oh. And she's not good. No, she's horrible. Is she in other episodes? She is in. Uh, I think three. This is her second of three appearances. But here's the weird thing. In this episode, Brenda walks up and she literally, like, cuts Natalie down and said. Says, Nat's chat, a column written by a teenager's point of view on their social life and their friends and their family. Why would anybody want to read that? So she is being a uh, total. And furthermore,
1: if a New York newspaper is actually, I mean, if, I'm assuming it's not, probably not the Times. Yeah. But, you know, is it the New York Daily or one of the many newspapers there would have been? Is it the Brooklyn
0: Tribune? I know. You know, I mean. <laughs> it's that yeah, you're writing for a newspaper. Wow. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, We can't say any because that's favoritism. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So but the other thing is like, apparently, if they've decided she's good at this, they want to give her a chance. Clearly, it must be something interesting or filling a niche. But... I
0: guess. but And that's great and all and fine and But again, good. it's a MacGuffin. Yeah. But this this girl, Brenda, though, had previously appeared. There was a brief time the girls were not in the cafeteria working off their debt. And so when they moved back into the dorms, Brenda was introduced as Natalie's roommate for this brief period of time. Huh. And Brenda's thing was she was dry as paint. The joke was, Mrs. Garrett, this is Brenda. Hello, Brenda. How are you? Adequate. Funny. She was supposed to be like the um, emotionless brainiac. And again, she has glasses, you know? And, so, and bad hair. And yeah, well, just, yeah, uninteresting hair. There you go. Right. Yeah. Um, but so it's so weird that they brought her back. For her, why didn't they bring back the bitch that was giving shit to Joe for her mother being a waitress back in season two? I, I forget her her name was. But it's like what a weird... oh, maybe
1: she was pregnant.
0: <laughs> what a weird thing to do with this character of Brenda, and she does have one more um, in episode fifteen. So that's like uh, nine more episodes. She will be in another quick little cameo. But I'm like, what a weird, uh, complete one eighty. As far as character, she and Natalie were friends. And, you know, it would be one thing if we had the understanding of being on the spectrum. If we had more uh, Sheldon's from Big Bang Theory, where yeah. it's like she is dry as paint, super smart, and she doesn't understand socially that it's not cool or appropriate or gracious to say to someone, I don't understand why anybody would read a column that you would write. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's like that's that's really giving them a lot of wide berth of interpretation to create something <laughs> coherent about this character.
1: Well, did uh, d does come in later and do that whole thing about like Brenda did something stupid in art. you usually
0: love that. Oh yeah. yeah, she does. She mentions that. it's It's very, very odd. anyhow. um then Joe comes in. so what? So there's actually like a B plot and the B plot is about a yo-yo? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's... Now, again, to go back in time a little bit to the young whippersnappers, if you think about older TV shows, if you think of I Love Lucy, if you think of um, even Happy Days, Three's Company, in the 70s and coming now into the 80s, any sitcom was one story... That would involve all the characters, even Golden Girls. Cheers was one of the first. I've been recently trying to uh, watch more of Cheers. The because I didn't watch it in its original. Oh really?
1: Act. Oh, that was another one we had loved. Yeah. Oh, it was so a we great watched that show. all the time. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah.
0: The fact that it would evolve to Seinfeld yeah. and Friends, where they would have A, B, C well, taxi, stories.
1: Taxi did that sort of thing too, because did it? Yeah, because they had individual cabs they drove around. Mm-hmm. So not only would they meet in the garage and something would happen, but there'd be you know like. Uh, They'd be alone and then have a driver they picked up and then yeah. stuff would happen with that, you know, person or whatever.
0: And what so. I, I also imagine Barney Miller was kind of like that. Like yes. Barney Miller, they would have this person's dealing with this case. This guy's got this one behind the bars. Yep. I feel like Barney Miller would have also been an earlier Yes, and Barney of, Miller was another show we watched faithfully. Uh, I did not. I'm, um, I'm a little too young for
1: that, Eric. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yes. I forget how <laughs> fresh and...
0: Yeah. so young and so fair. So you've mentioned so often. new bile, new bile. Um, so she has yes. a yo-yo and so she... yeah, so Joe has a yo-yo. thank yeah. you for getting me back here. And uh, Joe says she's cleaning out her trunk. we assume the trunk of her motorcycle. I you know what I'm just gonna say that's got to be a lesbian euphemism. <laughs> if Matthew Arter were here it, he it would be it, he absolutely would I'm say cleaning best. out my trunk. <laughs> hey Blair, need me to clean out your trunk. Um, so she has found this yo-yo and now here we utilize all the other girls in the cafeteria. Joe demonstrates some of her mad yo-yo skills. Yeah. Always unimpressive, uh, by the way. It
1: was fine. It was, no, that around the world is difficult, but at the same time, it's, you know what? You can learn it. Walk the dog. Yeah. Uh, That's what I want to see.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So, um, uh, Blair is not impressed. And Joe basically says, you try. And Blair just lets it drop. The- Blair, sometimes again, rich and privileged, sometimes they just write her fucking stupid. And it's like, how do you not realize that there is some effort involved to make a yo-yo go down and come up? Because she had other people for that. She I, I had guess,
1: servants who did the yo-yo for the her.
0: <laughs> she just watched them do it. But she, even They had then, a yo-yo steward. But she would have... <laughs> Please put that on your resume. Yo-yo I, steward for Blair steward. Warner. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, she would have at least observed. that t- It's like one of those, it's like doing what she did implies she had never seen a yo-yo. But it's like the laziest
1: thing you could possibly do. You know what I mean? I mean, if, it, yeah. if you're going to do some stunt that everyone's worried about, it should be, you know, she should be juggling chainsaws or some such crap. Yeah, you agreed. know I mean? Agreed. It's,
0: it's just lazy writing. Yeah. So at this point, we're suddenly like, oh, uh, Blair... Uh, due to the fact that Joe makes fun of her for not having any yo-yo skills. Blair says, give me one week and I'll be able to do anything you can do. And so it's like, that was the point. I was like, oh my God, we have, this is a B story, people. But they didn't even, again, there was no bet. She just said, you know, I mean, if you're going to say, give me a week and I can do it. You must
1: think they'd be like, all right. You uh, want a wager. Yeah, a wager for it. You know what I mean? Lost
0: opportunity, bitches. I agreed. So then, um... Natalie is preparing that her mother is going to be taking her out to lunch. One assumes a celebratory lunch, and one assumes out of cycle, because everybody, literally everybody in the room is dressed in their school uniforms, meaning this is a school day. But Natalie is in street clothes, and she's going to lunch with her mom. It's like, I guess you don't have school today, I guess. Well, and
1: also lenient school that lets her stay overnight with her mom. Well, I guess Mrs. Garrett saying it was okay since it was a special occasion. But at the same time, what are the rules? Also, Joe really would be in trouble for not wearing her outfit correctly. With yeah. With the tie down like that. Yeah, with the tie open and the rolled up sleeves. That is not, yeah. No, that is not allowed. Yeah. In a, in a, you have to have your uniform on properly. Yeah, there uniform.
0: A, it's called a uniform for a reason. <laughs> yes. Um. So, yeah. So, anyhow... um, Natalie goes off to get her coat or change or whatever, and in comes Natalie's mother. Now, this is Mrs. Green. They call her Evie. Evie Green is her name, so we assume that's short for Evelyn. But But also
1: Evergreen. Evergreen. As an ideal mother. (laughs) As an ideal maternal type. Um, I was shocked by her sort of dowdy... Uh, sweater thing with the collar that didn't stay properly aligned. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I,
1: I it did not, I was you like... You
0: weren't impressed with her outfit? No, I
1: wasn't. Her Hausfrau gown, however, near the end, oh, I was like, oh, gown. that's nice. You know, I did not mind that because it's a nightgown. But <laughs> that, still, if that is technically a New York style apartment they're yeah. in, uh, then... Um, I you would have thought
0: she would have had a nicer schmata for the night time. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you say the word schmata because uh, Natalie is Jewish. And even though she is, and it's only slightly sometimes alluded to, it's never said specifically. We know she has a Ukrainian grandmother who was uh, around during the pogroms and stuff like that. Oh, that was, okay. Interesting. It's that weird thing
1: sitcoms do where they're like, you know, here's the exotic Jewish girl like Rhoda Morgenstern, Yeah, but we're not going to Jew her up too much. right? You know what I mean? We're just going to do the shticky, like, I'm kvetching, and oi, and I can't believe, and I'm loud.
0: You're absolutely right. But one of the things that Natalie often does do is she talks about her mom. It's like, oh, I'm in trouble now. Don't call my mother. She's going to have a heart attack. Oh, I'm going to hear it from my mom. There have been many allusions to the fact that Natalie's mom is your typical... Um, kind of a nudge about. And this things. was the last
1: thing I saw from this woman's portrayal. It was no. very like yeah. ABC after school special mom. Who yeah. cares?
0: Mitzi Hogue was she was really Gentile yeah. acting. And and her father, now here's the thing. We do know that her father is Norman Burton. He's clearly on call at the hospital for something because yeah. they mentioned that. But we so. met him in an earlier episode. Oh, okay. I assume and Norman Burton is a very Middle-aged Jewish doctor, kind of a guy. He was, uh, he was um, Joe Atkinson on Wonder Woman. Oh my
1: God! Okay, that you know I about? even that I even know that is sad. <laughs> I knew you like, would know it, but but why? Why do I have that and I don't remember what I had for lunch yesterday? For God's sake, it's true.
0: Anyhow, so he was the dad, and there's definitely he's he's a Jewish, obviously he's a Jewish guy, and he seems. So he married a it. gentile, maybe. Anyhow, the actress playing Natalie's mother is. Uh, well-known character actress, Mitzi Hoag. Mitzi Hogue, according to the Wikipedia. Over the course of her career, she appeared in more than 73 different TV shows and movies. Notable among these are recurring roles in We'll Get By. That okay. was a short-lived sitcom with her and Paul Sorvino. Oh, my God. Um, Bonanza. Here Come the who Brides. Who wasn't on Bonanza? I know. It ran 25 years Agreed. or something. Every actor in Hollywood, yeah. and it's then like every uh, actor is on Cannon and Mannix. Yeah. And the Partridge family. Oh. Which was just, a, you know, these are probably all one-offs, but she's one of those character actresses who worked and never didn't work. And she passed away only this past February. Oh, wow. And when she died, her death was highly covered in the press. And it said, Mitzi Hogue of... The Facts of Life, Bonanza, and uh, Partridge Family. Like her top credit was that she was on The Facts, Facts of, of Life. Yeah, three episodes. But still, but it's, it's, it's she's one of those love American style actresses where she's done a ton of stuff. Oh, and when you see her, you're so, like, oh yeah, I know I've seen her in something. Can't fucking tell you what. Yeah. But the no, funniest thing up. is that just to just to kind of elevate my little endeavor here is the fact that because she was on The Facts of Life. That was, like I said, that was the first credit. If you look at all of the obituaries out there online, that is the first thing. That is the longevity and the staying power of this weird fucking little show. (laughs) That ran nine years. Yeah. Five too long. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'll give you three. I'll say three. Well, let's move on, but let me do this. Let me broadly synopsize the episode. All right okay and then we'll go back and keep talking about the little bits and pieces that we hated um natalie's mother i I do have to stop already illogically comes in and says so where is she where is my famous uh, journalist daughter and then natalie comes in we meet her the girls all have a history they know her she knows mrs garrett and then no sooner does kisses i know really and no sooner does natalie come in and the mother's like well Uh, we're going to talk about this thing at lunch. And Natalie's like, what do you mean we're going to talk about it? And she's like, let's wait till we get to the restaurant. Natalie's like, no, tell me now. And suddenly the where's my famous journalist daughter very quickly comes to uh, your father and I've decided we don't want you to do it and we will not let you do this column thing.
1: Because apparently... It's too strenuous. There are deadlines as if she's not at a private school and has things to do.
0: And the the weird thing is, it sounds like it is going to intrude. And Natalie's like, we need to go to Mr. Parker and tell him about um, classes that I might have to miss on Fridays or whatever, because I'm going to be going to the city on the weekends. There's also a sense of, is this column not somehow designed If it's going to be a teenager's point of view, it wouldn't have been conceived with the idea that, okay, if it's a teenager, we need to make sure it's not a full-time job because a kid needs to be in fucking school.
1: But again, it's sitcom logic.
0: Yeah. Anyway, Natalie, in her anger with her mother, lashes back with those words that have been spoken in so many sitcoms and after-school specials. You're not my real mom! And we do know this because season one, episode 10 was Natalie revealing to the girls her deep, dark, horrible secret that she's adopted. And uh, if you want to listen to that one, Megan Maroney and I do a very in-depth analysis and tell our own adoption journeys, because Megan and I are both adopted. Yes. And I really had hoped that we were also long-lost siblings, but unfortunately that's not That did not prove to be the case. No, it did not. Um, So uh, through the course of this, so then the next scene we go up to the bedroom And Tootie is talking to Natalie, and Natalie's like, I'm upset over what I did to my mom, and I feel bad. Mrs. Garrett comes in with a letter, and the letter is from Natalie's mother. And this is where we talked about earlier. There's some good blocking in the handing of the letter, so read it. No, she's just going to be handing me a guilt trip. This is the Jewish mother kind of thing. No, I can't take it. I'm going to read it later. No, you're going to read it now. She reads it. Natalie, you're right. You do need to know things about yourself and you do need to learn them. Here is your mother's name. And her mother's name is Ellen Mannheim. Of Mannheim Steamroller family. <laughs> 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 weep 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 weo. Weep, Boom. Weep, weep. <laughs> 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 so the last part before we go to commercial is Natalie. My mother's name is Ellen Mannheim. Long, uncomfortable, pensive moment we call these the thornton wilder moments oh i would have said it
1: was worse than pinter but oh
0: okay yep but we'll give you a pinter too but um but pinter is all about the subtext and that's I'm... true and
1: there's no subtext here it's just we're pausing because we don't have yeah. enough filler
0: yeah and because fades are mechanically complicated in 1982 <laughs> um so now we're at commercial and this is the point where eric where i get to know my guests a little bit Oh, hooray. So, uh, you already talked about you were born in Detroit and raised up there. Correct. In the by white north. Um, <laughs> I,
1: and I went to a private school, actually. I went to a co-ed day school. It was the oldest established co-ed day school in the greater metro Detroit area. Wow. University Liggett School. Wow. Yes, I went to school with Fords and Dodges. So I was yes.
0: <gasps> shut up.
1: Shut up. No, Chryslers. However, strangely enough, no, really. Uh, but we yeah, did and have no Yamahas, f- um, no Toyotas, Mrs. or Edsel Ford. Actually, the gym in the lower school is named for her. Yes, and shut pretentious up. enough as it is, we had lower school, middle school, and upper school. That was how our schools were called. Wow. Yeah, so I started in 4th grade. I did go, we called them lifers, people who started in pre-K <gasps> and went all the way to to 12th grade. A lot of people based on their families would go only up through middle school and then for like upper school like, you know, the high school 9 through 12 would go to like a boarding school somewhere, like cuz that was their family tradition. Wow. So, I was always kind of like the lower middle class kid who was smart enough to go to this school, you know, oh. and just my parents barely affording it. So, I was the kid who wasn't in like the fancy Gross Point houses, but I grew up knowing all those kids. There were seventy-two in my graduating class to give you an idea of how small wow. the school was. Yeah.
0: And now, what did your parents do? What was... So my
1: dad uh, was an engineer for the automotive industry. Um, at one time, had his own stamping company that ended up getting bought out. Uh, of course, everything was upended. In the 80s because of all the japanese imports mm-hmm. so this was a tough time in detroit metro area my mom also worked for the automotive industry as various uh, administrative assistants but she was known as like the woman you wanted to have because she got shit done you oh know? good yeah madge did not put up with shit and got things accomplished <laughs> so she was always highly coveted as a secretary so she did a lot of executive things and stuff like that but uh, no, my said- dad uh as an engineer actually his great claim to famous he's one of the people that works with chrysler um to develop, he, he did steering wheels. That was his big deal. Oh. He was a steering wheel guru. He could look at steering wheels. Wait a minute, and tow your you. dad
0: is of the steering wheel Pinders?
1: Yes. Wow. I know, it's very exciting. He actually <laughs> uh, worked with Chrysler uh, when airbags started coming. They had to decide, like, what is the proper uh, tensile strength for these wheels so they can burst through, you know, the airbags can come oh, through. Yeah, yeah. So he did a lot of that work um, when airbags were starting to become a standard thing. So yeah. that's one of his big things that he did.
0: Now, when did you start performing? You have posted some amazing pictures on your Facebook and your Instagram of you as a young child Oof. dancer Yes, and um, it was
1: early on. Uh, so sixth grade was my first big role. I remember third grade, I was the king and it was this energy play. I still remember I got rid of coal because it was too dirty. I found uh. that very interesting. <laughs> uh, I still remember that I was, and I shouted and bellowed and apparently yeah. everyone was very impressed at my acting skills in fourth grade. Wow. But also- Um, So sixth grade would have been my big role. The jester in Once Upon a Mattress. Oh, okay. Because that's what middle schoolers should be doing. Yeah. Is Once Upon a Mattress. (sighs) Uh, We didn't really get why Lady Larkin had to leave the kingdom. Like why that was so important, how they had to get married. Yeah. That kind of got left out of our Tams (laughs) Whitmark score or whatever it was. (laughs) So um, we didn't really know about that. But yeah, uh, it was early on and it... It was my mother's fault. She, I was starting to enjoy things like that, and she brought me in from playing outside to watch Singing in the Rain, which was on.
0: Oh, and
1: yeah, so it's I blame her, wow, uh, for so, so many things. But so
0: were you? You actually were put into dance classes.
1: I begged, so yes, they did put wow. me in dance classes. Yes, and then I was the only boy, so then I had to do like, I just wanted to take tap, but then I had to do jazz, of course. But then I had to be in the Polish dance troupe. Because they had a Polish dance troupe. And I was like, I'm German, and we pretty much decimated you. So um, do you really want me in your troupe? But I was the only boy. So therefore, yes, I was in the Polish dance troupe. Boys, yeah. Yeah. At that age, boys are very hard to come by. So I had to partner all the girls in ballet as well as that, too. They wanted me in ballet because they didn't have any boys. And they had to have someone to partner all the girls in floor work. Wow! Yeah, so I did a lot of that though, uh, and then and then all when did acting
0: actually? Oh, um, it was Like, when did you decide that that was what you were going to do? Go I was to school a freshman
1: for? and was like going to work my way to like that was what I was going to do. My parents were like, "Oh, it's a phase," you know. At one point, my mother was like, "Oh, well, you could be a trial lawyer," you know. They have to do acting, and I'm oh. like, "I don't think you really understand why I wanted to do this <laughs> at all." Uh, so they were actually very frustrated that I was going to go. Uh, major in musical theater mm-hmm. which again children the most practical degree you can get is a BFA in musical theater I yep. I highly recommend them that's anyway, money in the bank kids right there you are so hireable <laughs> um, but and yeah where did you study uh, Michigan State I got my BFA from there and then I got did you my, commute or did you uh, yeah I lived up in Lans- East Lansing so okay. I lived up
0: there it's a two hour drive oh okay so, so it was... not too same here with me yeah I was yeah, I was I've... two and a half hours so I lived in the dorms but I wasn't that far yeah I could come home when I do needed laundry. to do laundry and see things
1: well, no, I did my own laundry, but there were so many shows going on in Detroit or oh. you know, Broadway things coming through or like the Smiths were playing. and Oh, wow. Yeah, my dad got tickets for that one year, you know, yeah. so I had to go back home and see that for God's sakes. But uh, so, yeah, and then my MFA in theater performance, theater with an RE, bitches, thank Theatra. you very much. Yeah. Theater. <laughs> uh, it's from University of Florida. And then that, you know, like I knew that I'd be playing character parts and still looked, you know, I was a twink before things, you know, twinks were a thing, really, (laughs) you know, before that was a category that was desirable. Yeah. Uh, I was just like the thin young guy that maybe had AIDS, you know, because it was the 80s. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, because it was all about Madonna's hunky backup dancers, like in late 80s, you know, Mm -hmm. so nobody
0: wanted twinks. And now they're so desirable. I'm like, I missed out. Yeah. But But it was such a different time because, you know, that was the time when it was like, oh, you're gay. So how long have you had AIDS and when are you going to die? Yeah, exactly. So there was so
1: much lovely internal shame as well. But yeah, so uh, I lived up there and then I, down here. And uh, University of
0: Florida is up in?
1: In Gainesville. Gainesville. So it's like two hours from Orlando, Orlando, basically. So then, yes. And then I... Uh, was like, well, I'm going to play these character parts, but I'm not old enough now. Yeah. So let me see what's going on at Disney. And then years later,
0: still playing my trade here. And yep. How, how many years later? 26. Uh, 26 years yeah. with Walt Disney. Wow. And uh, you and I have this weird situation where uh, we, our, our full-time gig is we play the same role. Yeah. So we work together. But we th- see each other together, but we do not perform well, together. Yes, and it's so weird you uh, you liken it too. You said we're like the husband and wife who he works the day shift and she works the, the night, night shift. Yeah. and uh, we see each other in passing, yeah. yeah, that's kind of what we But then do. also,
1: my husband was one of your old roommates, true. and we yes. did not we did not meet when you guys lived together, even though I knew you from sleuths. yeah, it it wasn't until he was living with Larry that we actually
0: met, yeah, suddenly it was like, Dwayne is like, do you know this guy, Eric Pinder? He says he works this loose. I was like, him? Oh, he's awful. I was, like, I was like, dump his ass as fast as you can. And, uh, 18 and a half years later. And he didn't listen to
1: me, damn nope. it. And well, you... I had that gypsy curse on him. That, yep. <laughs> that pretty much paid for itself.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Romani. <laughs> yes. And I'm still single and lonely. <laughs> but you have Where this we? podcast but I've, to keep I've, you warm. I've... <laughs> <laughs> oh my so um we've already discussed that you grew up in detroit so therefore you are basically uh canadian. canadian yeah and that explains why you are also well known to this community as a hockey aficionado yes and Dwayne is the other gay man in orlando who is into hockey which is why it's amazing that you two met
1: <laughs> well to be fair he was not as into hockey when we met he mm-hmm. knew about the Detroit Red Wings. When we met, I was wearing a hockey jersey. Yeah. So that was one of the things that he was like, oh, the Red Wings. Because he had had a previous boyfriend that yeah. had new... So I was like, oh, this guy knows about hockey. Well, then I found out he didn't. But it was already too late. I had the gypsy curse. So yeah, he wasn't it was going anywhere. had happened anywhere. already, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, but... Uh, You'd we pull got that strand of before... hair out of his head. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Serve him my menstrual uh, blood. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, people I haven't seen Midsummer. that's spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then we got married before a hockey game,
0: and uh, you did. I was at the wedding. It was a glorious time. Where we, uh, we, the one thing we didn't plan for was that we were going to have to walk. We knew you were getting married at center on, ice, at, yeah. At, at, on the ice, but we didn't realize we were going to have to walk across the ice in our street shoes. So it was no a one little... fell.
1: I was very pleased about that. To hear yeah, no it one was. bit it.
0: Uh, Megan Maroney grabbed onto me and said, "David, I am not letting go of you." Until I've made it safely to the but, yeah tarmac to be fair, there. they had carpet for yeah. everyone to stand on during the ceremony. Yeah, so, the carpet yeah. there, but getting... You had, we, getting to the carpet it, was a chore. Yeah. It was like... Yeah, Dwayne swim. and I didn't
1: want to fall either. I'm like, oh, please, God, <laughs> don't let us fall on our wedding day and slip on the ice. That's not a good omen.
0: Yeah, but it was just like, uh, yeah, you have to swim the moat with the gators in it. <laughs> that is like, you know, ah! that is your task it's to a side ar- quest to before you get to arrive the wedding. To this to this wedding. And uh, it was so much fun. And uh, I'll post a picture. Uh, so uh, other things that you are known for in town, you are also one of the foremost authorities on opera uh, a gay man true. into the opera uh, I'm not sure the world I is know. ready for that but please tell yeah. about how that happened
1: uh, I hated it for a very long time so mm-hmm. the irony that it, <laughs> that it now obsesses me I'm obsessed with it and it's taken over my life um, it actually I was always a musical guy but I did enjoy classical music mm-hmm. uh, and um, so I was getting into that and uh, when I got to Michigan State the guy who was the music director for our musicals uh, was indeed a huge classical music and opera fan, and to this day still is, conducts the Vienna State Opera, as uh-huh. one does. Is actually in Vienna right now conducting the ballet Sylvia, uh, Leo de Lieb's ballet. Oh, oh, yeah, that one. That one. The one that, one that, that you chestnut. said. chestnut. <laughs> anyway, um, so he's, uh, he's a famed conductor, you know, and has conducted all over the world and uh, is... Springfield, Massachusetts, he's the principal conductor of the Springfield Symphony. Oh, okay. And uh, also the Traverse City in Michigan as well. Wow. But yeah, so he's, you know, he does stuff. But yeah. he um, hit me to opera. He thought I would enjoy it and was right. And uh, But it was his tutelage, really. Uh, now, I think it was like five years ago, I was talking to him and he's like, oh God, what have I wrought? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yes I, I'm i obsessed enough with the opera that I'm going up in April to see the complete ring cycle of Wagner all four operas at <sighs> Chicago Lyric
0: yeah how long is the running time uh, well
1: the altogether it's about 14 hours 14 to 15 depending on who's conducting so the yeah. first one's two and a half hours no intermission second one is about four hours you have two half hour intermissions each act's about an hour um, the third one's about four and a half and the second one's four and a half to five oh my god yeah, so yeah, so the final night of the Ringside I I go to the opera at 6
0: and we're done at midnight. Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's a bit much. That's crazy. And and your love for opera has uh extended and kind of meshed and merged with your theatrical training and your background because you also not just actor, singer, dancer. You are also a writer and a director Correct. and you have directed for opera Orlando. Yes.
1: And then uh, Florida opera theater before that. Yes. Uh, I've directed for, um, Orlando light opera. I think it's, yeah, that's what they're calling mm-hmm. it now. Uh, I've done, uh, a couple other things I've written. There's a Mozart one act that I reworked and rewrote. I did a rewriting of the Merry widow, updated it to the nineties. Oh yeah. Um, 1990s instead of 1890s. Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, nice. The, the tech boom in San Francisco. Okay, they needed sure. They ready for a startup instead of to save the country. Oh, okay. As it is in the mirror. I'm sure you're familiar with that lovely opera of The Merry <laughs> Widow. Uh, Vilia, Vilia, the Witch of the Woods. That's the only song anyone knows from that. I, nope, don't nothing. Even, nope, I don't even know that. Cricket, cricket. Everyone's <laughs> turned off now. All five listeners have vanished. Anyway, uh, so yes, I, I direct opera. I also direct, uh, I'm directing uh, Brighton Beach Memoirs at Valencia. So, uh,
0: yeah. And you also are somewhat of a, I've used this term before because I've had other fringe darlings sitting on that couch or sitting in front of that microphone. And you also do qualify as a fringe darling in that you have it's done true. these very well-received uh Triple threat thing where you have written, acted, and directed, or That's paired true. with Ray Hatch, who has directed yeah. you. Uh, but you've done enough fringe projects, and then you go on to host the fundraisers and the no. preview events. So I'm a fringe notary. Yeah. Is that is that what you're called? Is that what? Maybe notoriety. Yeah. Again, is that what they called you when Beth Marshall took the sword and put it over each of your shoulders? Uh,
1: no, I think they thought the idiot that will do things for free. I ah, think that's pretty much are No, it. I guess yeah. I am a fringe name. I never. Yeah.
0: Uh, You're a fringe name. I, I like to use the fringe, darling. Like I've I've said that about like you know certainly Mark Baratelli, uh, Kevin Kriegel, is Mitzi yeah. Morris, and uh, I know I'm forgetting somebody else here, but they are. Uh, that, that's a big thing. The fringe festival theatrically is a huge thing in Orlando and it is no small, uh, it is no small feat of your talent to be one of those who kind of cream rising to the top. Type. Well, if I, I mixed, got lucky. Yeah. But it, you got lucky. It well, paid off. Yeah. Or, or you're, or you're super talented and you live in a community that I have said many times actually appreciates and rewards talent and recognizes it. And that is a a wonderful thing about why I love living here. Yes. And wants to see talent on a regular
1: basis. Yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. And, uh, yeah. So I think I've covered all the bits and pieces of the many that I wanted to just say, this is who you are. Uh, I am a multitude. You are. <laughs> and uh, oh, and just the last bit of information is you and I do get to perform together. Thankfully, we do get to share the stage at the wonderful Sleuths Mystery Dinner Theater yes, in Orlando. still going strong. Still love that place, and I plug them every chance I get. Sleuths Mystery Dinner Theater, www.sleuths.com. Stop on by. David and I are completely different drag artists. Yeah, that's true. We, we wear dresses. That was worth the price of admission right there. I am very glad, finally, after being at work and hearing about this podcast endlessly, (laughs) never hearing me shut the fuck up about it, I'm glad you're finally here and hopefully enjoying and seeing what all the fuss is about.
1: Yes, no, and and, um, having to go back to watch this show and see some of the horrible hair. Oh, and fashion, too. Don't forget the horrible fashion.
0: But I I don't remember Charlotte Way having green eyeshadow. Ugh. I'm, my thing is, the, I, I can't even see the eye shadow for the blush. There's so much There's blush. There's some, well, yes, because they're trying to give her that softness. I, I guess, I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh, they you see, and that's it. And they didn't understand true contouring back then, as far as her face is fat. How do we make it look skinnier? Exactly. Put blush on it and make it look jolly. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like Mrs. Claus, <laughs> and she's 19. <laughs> so we come back from commercial now. And uh, the sort of long and short of it is we have a scene in Natalie's bedroom where she is planning to go and meet her mother. She went through the phone book, found her mother, and is going to meet her. And uh, a great Jewish Natalie moment. What have I gotten myself into? Mother's Day is going to cost me a fortune. Yes. I mean, very, very Jewy. Yep. Just got to say it. Um So at one point she does say, well, I don't even know what I'm going to say to her. You know, why'd you give me up 15 years ago? Okay. Natalie is 16. She is not 15. Natalie is 16. Three years ago. She was 13 when she was first looking at this possibility of finding her mother. Blair's mother was dating a judge at the time, and apparently, Blair's mother is such a good lay. This judge opened up sealed adoption records. Well, she unsealed her legs, and he unsealed the records. So. Ah, how, ah. <laughs> And so, at one point, the, the episode ended, season one, episode 10, with the phone ringing and Natalie. That is the information about your mother. And Natalie wasn't sure if she was ready, and Natalie decides not to answer the phone. So that's where we left that. But that was three years ago, and was explicitly stated that she was 13. Just saying. I obsess over the girls' ages a lot, by the by. Um, okay, Woody Allen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Natalie is kind of Maybe back and forth. Maybe
1: she didn't give her up until she
0: was what? No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> then Sis Garrett comes in. And, of course, we need the moment of, um, of wisdom, of warmth, and bolstering her. But oh, before so that... Why do they all hug each other sideways? Uh, like, they, they cheek hug. It's called camera blocking, Eric. Look into it. Uh, yes. Um, don't so,
1: smudge my blush. Exactly. You'll get oh, it all over you. I just put you. this
0: on. <laughs> but the thing is, um, we do close up the loop of the Blair, Yo-Yo, Joe, B-plot. Because Joe comes in and Blair is like, oh, I'm here to show you what I've learned. And Joe's like, yeah, in a minute. And so Joe beautifully and And lovely heartfelt she's telling her how proud she is and joe is being beautifully empathetic and she points out that you know it was weird when i went to visit my dad when he was in prison and i didn't quite know what i was going to say then and we know because that happened on the show yeah so for them to call back to another episode and for joe to be so empathetic and supportive was really nice really lovely yeah
1: even though she's a dyke so
0: (laughs) hey 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 No, you don't. She marries a man. No lesbian ever married a man in (laughs) history. No man who was gay ever married a lesbian. (laughs) And Blair is demonstrating. And then not seeing that Joe has not been looking at her. At the end of it, she's like, well, what? What did you want, Blair? She's like, oh, I just showed you all my yo-yo stuff. And Joe's like, I was talking to Natalie like you were just able to watch me do three feet away. Yeah. So then Blair's like, fine, I'm going to do this around the world thing. And like you said, she goes to around the world and ends up swinging it like a, what did you say? Lasso. Like a, uh, yes. And swinging it over her head and a big physical comedy hit the dirt. Oh my God, she's going to blow. We're all going to die. Well, but the, the, like the girls run
1: like Tootie and Natalie. Run from like what would be basically stage left to stage right. Yeah. You know, and like through what it is instead of ducking underneath the twin bed over there where they'd be safer. Yeah. So they all end up on the same bed. Yeah. So Mrs. Garrett can come in and freak out and do a,
0: ooh, yeah. big reaction. And she's not anywhere near it. It's so completely contrived. And lazy. And, and unsatisfying. Yeah. We just want to say that. So this was their first dabbling with an A-plot B plot, A story, B story, and facts of life, uh, back to the drawing board. Well, boys. for their A and B story, they get an F. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, then we have the Mrs. Garrett, Natalie warmth, nurturing scene. And uh, Mrs. Garrett thankfully does acknowledge that this has been brought up before. And she says, Natalie, I'm not going to do the voice. She says, "Natalie, a few years ago, you wanted to find your natural mother, and you thought that maybe you should wait until you'd done some growing up. Well, whatever happens today, I think you can handle it." Beautiful little, Mrs. it is Garrett lovely, Moore.
1: and she, I, you know, poor Charlotte Ray. I mean, seriously, it, it this is a really thankless part. It is, you know, and she it handles is. it with such grace and dignity. And you know, look, we'll, you know, and let's face it, she probably needed the work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she was doing. Uh, what we were saying is, we're like, if she hadn't done this show, she probably would have stepped in for Angela Lansbury and Sweeney Todd. She had the pipes; she could have fucking done it. Oh yeah. She did Jack's mother in Into the Woods after this show, but that means if she played the Barbara ba- Barbara Barry, Barbara Bryan. Barbara Barry, Barbara Barry,
1: <clears throat> I think so.
0: Yeah, if she was Jack's mother in Into the Woods. That means she could have also been in Sunday in the Park in the Barbara Barry oh, track yeah. as George's mother. Because she was a working character actress, and Norman Lear used her constantly. Well, she has such a great a face and voice. Yeah. I say coughing. Yep. No, that's fine. So the scene ends with another long Natalie looking at herself in the mirror, pensive, thinking shot. Now, weirdly, it doesn't dissolve to Natalie's mother sitting at her apartment. It hard cuts which is very odd because it should have been a dissolve and they certainly had enough damn footage of her staring at herself in the damn mirror but with absolutely no music man no. which is a nice touch I, I i'm
1: glad at least they don't try to do like da yeah. da, 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 da. <laughs> da
0: da 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 da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> yes the mournful facts of life in yeah. minor key and, and, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, this show never had any. Not till the later seasons. Remember those? You know those those last three seasons that shouldn't have existed. Yes, that's when they added the music. Um. So then we're at Natalie's parents' apartment, and Dad is we learn at the hospital. Natalie's mother is in the couch in a very stylish frumpy nightgown. Um, the color is good for her complexion. Though I'll give you it that. It is. It's lovely. Um. And basically, what we end up landing on is Natalie apologizes for what was said. They kind of hadn't spoken since their fight. Um, and Everything's good for a while. Everything's and good. Then for, it isn't again. And then, yeah. And then so they're, <laughs> but they make up and it's great. And then Natalie says, I met her. And she's like, met who? And she goes, my mother. Oh, I, I think she says her. And, and Mrs. Uh, I'm sorry, Evie. Evie is like, oh. And then Natalie starts talking about her, saying, yeah, she lives in this great apartment. She was she was nice. Uh, I was nervous at first. Uh, she made me some carrot cake. We talked. She showed me some pictures. I look a lot like my grandma. And that weird sitcom thing where Natalie's mother's like, oh, look, here's a letter from your friend. I have to go put this away now. Oh, you know, I've really been meaning to straighten up this desk. This, I'm going to have a completely different conversation. Because I can't deal with this one. Yes. Does anybody do that in real life? No. I, I, don't, I don't believe so either.
1: They rarely even do it in sitcoms anymore.
0: Yeah, truly that. It's just... It's, it went out with ugh. drunks being funny. Yeah. And then, and then Natalie says, well, mom, what are you doing? Don't you want to hear? And she gets this, no, Natalie, I don't. I don't want to hear another word about it. I'm sorry. I'm glad you found her. I know it's important to you. What did you say when that happened? I was like, oh, hello, bipolar. Yeah. <laughs> or sitcom character writing. Yes. but and, and she very quickly recuperates, very quickly recuperates. Um, and she says, I'm sorry, I don't know this person, but she has a bond with you. And I like being the only mother in your life, which is nice. Yes. Um, and then they go into this thing of, um, uh, mom says... It's hard to say no to your child, especially for an adoptive mother. You feel like you're always competing with someone, someone more lenient or more fun. It comes with a territory. Now, this is where I wish my parents were still alive. I wish I could have asked my mom, did you feel that way when you were ex-? I, You know, my parents neglected me just as much as all the other kids' parents <laughs> yep. in the 80s, left me to fend for... Myself as much as... I don't know. Like I I'm, said, I was raised by wolves. Yeah. So. <laughs> but they were attentive wolves. They were. Who paid they, for your private school somehow. They sent
1: me to dance class and
0: bought horrible sequined outfits for me to appear in. <laughs> oh, But um, Natalie does admit, and this is true, I didn't look for her because I was unhappy with you. Being adopted, you automatically have questions. And that's kind of nice and that's kind of true. The idea of her saying... Mom, you realize me looking for my birth mother has nothing to do with you. Yeah. It's about me. And um, uh, Natalie does have this nice little thing where she says she thought she would have a lot of answers to a lot of questions very quickly. And what she discovered was she's a nice person who works for the phone company and makes great carrot cake. And she said it was like fitting pieces into a puzzle Uh, She's allergic to strawberries. That's why I'm allergic to strawberries. The whole family is allergic to strawberries. Yeah. But then she says, but I kept looking around her apartment, trying to find something of me. And I couldn't find it. And then I come here. And Natalie starts going by. This is the chair where I sat on dad's lap. And this is the stereo system with a lot of knobs on it that Eric (laughs) Pinder admires. and The Queen uh, Nefertiti statue. Oh, my God. Yes. And she says, this place, this is me. And for all intents and purposes, she's saying, this is still my home, you are still my family. And I I can't believe the show didn't actually say that explicitly, as I just said it, because for all the on the nose writing that we experience, but um.
1: But the uh, ending where they sit and they chat on the couch, yes, and it slowly goes to a
0: photo. It zooms in of the in two of them, and the dialogue slowly fades away. It Was kind of artistical, I have to say, for this show, that was pretty yeah. fancy. They've never really done something like that before, and uh, and it worked, I think. Yeah, no, it was nice. Like, oh look, they have this bond. Yeah, that they're, you know, they're gonna be, they're gonna be okay. Yes, it may not be the same, but they are gonna be okay. I did enjoy the. The
1: Greta Garbo has been a recluse for 40 years. She can wait a little longer. Yeah.
0: That uh, that was a nice thing. And I mean, you know, it, Natalie, because of the um, the Marx Brothers, the Three Stooges thing, you're like, okay, I'll give you a pass on that. But there are so many times there are references that a teenage girl in 82 would not be, oh, Greta Garbo, she's one of my favorites. It's like, uh, really? Well, we are at the end of the show, Eric. Oh, my gosh. And typically what I do is uh, we end the show, whether the episode was, you know, whether it was you take the good or you take the bad. We always end on the happy note of, tell me a commercial from your childhood that immediately pops to mind off the top of your head. Oh, God.
1: Um, there was a Dorothy Hamill doll that you could make skate and you could actually like... Was there? Yes, there was I I don't a... remember. Yes, so Dorothy... Hamill like it had a little platform and you could like turn it you know so she would like skate and she could do her like turns or whatever it was just like attached to the platform and rotate I mean it wasn't like but it was this Dorothy Hamill doll and the little girl at the very end said Dorothy you're a real star in this oh. like really stupid accent <laughs> and that became like a huge thing in my family that we would like Dorothy you're a real star and my mother bought bowls at some second hand place you know like um not secondhand, but thrift um, store. no Uh places that would have discontinued or they weren't printed properly or whatever. Yeah. And they had lipstick, like a big lipstick, but it's a star on them. Oh my God. So I just, for some reason, just remember that commercial, Dorothy, y'all real star because we just made fun of that.
0: And I have no idea like,
1: wow. Yeah.
0: And I it, don't, now that you say that, that is coming back to me. And the fact that she was on a platform that showed the skating. Did she have real hair or was it plastic oh, hair? It was real hair, I'm pretty sure. Because her hair was the fucking shit. Yes. Everybody mimicked the Dorothy Hamill wedge.
1: Yes, and it, it was... was- It became very popular in a lot of 80s sitcoms because uh, Mindy from work in Mindy sort of had a modified version of it. Yeah, a longer
0: version of it. Yeah. yeah. Dorothy Himmel's hair. I'll post a picture of it. The thing that was crazy was it was this layered thing. It was a short-ish do. It was layered. It was long in the top, but then got layered in such a way that whenever she would do a spin or a jump or an axle, her hair would fly up in this perfect flat top with perfectly angled layers going down to her ears it It was was... almost like a lady mullet yeah you know but but without the long back it was short but it kind of curled in
1: a little bit it was improbable hair yeah it was like you know who had had it
0: carol Burnett had something similar in the later seasons oh yes she did later in the carol Burnett. because again this is it was the 76 olympics that was the dorothy hamill oh okay yeah. so this was it had to have been 76 um so, oh my god, but that was the shit. Dorothy Hamill's hair and it and it did it was it was like the Rachel kind of in uh, that Ah, yes. in that it, it you didn't see the exact same hair do but wow did it influence a lot of what else started happening around that time.
1: Yes, that it didn't have to be long hair. But then later then starting in the eighties course it all becomes about again you know the higher the hair the closer to god oh, yes. and everything's teased out for yes. days and yeah. and men are doing it too with duran mm. duran being very popular oh yeah totally. but what is the hairspray budget on
0: the facts of life oh later it's well, it, they clearly cut back in the writer's room to, pay for <laughs> to
1: spend money on hairspray <laughs>
0: and blush
1: yeah and blush exactly she doesn't
0: look like a whore put more yeah. blush on <laughs> Well, Eric, thank you so much for making time. I will, Clint, I will. You are a delight. Oh, stop! No, oh no, you are. You, you, it's mister. all you. Most of the people at the Citizens of Hollywood trailer uh, have appeared on the show, so now you can know what all the fuss is about. You are now a part of the club. I'm one of the cool kids now. Yes, you totally are. So I'm gonna put you. on my Eastland uniform now. <laughs> I'm gonna try to make one if I do a live sh- if I do the live shows at Fringe. Oh my god, you I'm have gonna make, to! I'm gonna make a boy version with the vest and. There... I already have the patch. Oh my god! Of course you have the if patch. Someone makes those on Etsy. $12. Oh my god! Somebody of fucking makes those on Etsy. Twelve bucks. Yep, yeah, and it's right next to my 2D doll you see up there, which is
1: awesome. Oh,
0: yes. So thank you for coming over. What thank pleasure. you for being a part of this and doing this. And I say to everybody, I hope to have you back. But uh, more important than that, I am glad you are one of the guests that I get to see regularly. So I will see you at work. I'll see you at work. Thank you, David. Bye. And there you have it. That was Eric Pinder, the man, the myth, the legend. I do have a correction corner before we end today's show. We were talking about Barbara Brine, and I couldn't figure out if I was talking about Barbara Brine or Barbara Barry. We landed on Barbara Barry. We were wrong. It was Barbara Brine. The confusion is because both of these women have been in the original casts of Stephen Sondheim musicals. Barbara Barry was in the original cast company on broadway later was barney miller's wife was uh, brooke shield's grandmother on suddenly susan but the one we were actually talking about is the older actress in sunday in the park with george as george's mother and in into the woods as jack's mother and she was also in the film amadeus playing mozart's mother-in-law so both of these ladies are still alive barbara barry's 88 barbara bryan is 90. So, Google these ladies. They've had amazing careers, and I'm happy to mention them here. Moving on, next week, I'm going to be watching Season 4, Episode 7, called A Woman's Place. And, once again, I'm going to have a very special guest. As always, to my fives of loyal listeners, thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Our website is facethefactspod.com. You have to drop the let's. And that's where you can find extra pictures, video, and audio extras from the digital cutting room floor. Follow the show on social media. We're everywhere under the handle FaceTheFactsPod. You can become a patron of the show by going to patreon.com slash FaceTheFactsPod. And don't forget, go to your favorite podcatchers and subscribe, rate, and review. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.